On Margate Sands, I can connect nothing with nothing. The broken fingernails of dirty hands. My people, humble people who expect nothing. La la, to Carthage then I came. Burning, 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 burning. O Lord, thou pluckest me out. O Lord, thou pluckest. Burning. For this edition of Ponder Extra, we've come to the faded grandeur of Margate. We're sitting in a shelter by the side of the beach, and this is no ordinary beach shelter. Nearly a hundred years ago, one of the great masters of 20th century literature, T.S. Eliot, sat in this very shelter and looked out on probably a similar sort of view. The golden crescent of a sandy beach, grubby with seaweed, the glittering silver of the sea, seagulls fighting over the remnants of crab shells. This is Margate, much unchanged since T.S. Eliot sat here and penned some of the words for one of the greatest and most seminal works of English literature, The Wasteland. In the wake of the First World War, Thomas Stearns Eliot pondered the existential crisis that Britain found itself in. He thought about the fragmentation that seemed part and parcel of modernity. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Winter kept us warm, covering earth in forgetful snow, feeding a little life with dried tubers. Summer surprised us, coming over the Starnbergersee with a shower of rain. We stopped in the colonnade and went on in sunlight into the hot garden and drank coffee and talked for, for the last three years, the citizens of Margate have been taking part in a very unique project in association with the Turner Contemporary Art Gallery. Local residents were invited to see if they would like to take part in a project and over a hundred of them responded. Well, that was an unmanageable number of people to take part in the project, so they whittled it down to around 30. And over a three-year period, these residents came together regularly to read the wasteland, to see what kind of images it evoked in their minds, and then to curate themselves an exhibition of works of art by great artists that somehow spoke to the various themes and moods that the wasteland raises. Weekly meetings, discussions, talks and workshops brought these people together. We're about to go in to visit the exhibition, A Journey Through the Wasteland. It's an exhibition reflecting on the poem, inspired by the poem. And it looks at over 60 artists and almost 100 different objects, including works from such names as Cecil Collins, Patrick Heron, Edward Hopper, Paul Nash and even Turner himself. And the exhibition explores how contemporary and historical art can enable us to reflect on the poem's shifting flow of diverse voices, references, characters and places. And today we're going to go visit the gallery and we'll be walked around the exhibition by two members of the working group on this project. I'm Melody Bottle, I live in Broadstairs and yes I became part of the group because I do have an interest in T.S. Eliot. My name's Annie Squire and I live in Margate and I volunteer at Margate Museum. It's the brainchild of Professor Mike Tooby, whose idea was really 
involving local people who had an initial interest in Elliot and or the arts or local history and so on. We had this sort of um, idea of themes during the process. Women's voices, fragmentation, mental health, war. We tried to fit pieces of artwork that we thought were relevant and of course trying to reach a consensus in a big group is very hard because you're standing in your corner, passions run high and you think, no, that's not what the poem's about. But of course you have to work within a group. It was quite a difficult ask really. Yes, I suppose the poem is sort of about so many things and then also some people think it's not really about anything. So choosing art to reflect it must have been quite a task. What was the process of choosing yeah. the art for this exhibition like? Well, as Modi said, that was sort of criteria used was the themes, but there was also other criteria. That is, you had to build in a rationale for your choice of works based on your particular relationship with the poem. Or another criteria was, were they artists that Eliot knew himself in his lifetime, or were they artists who particularly referenced Eliot's work or poetry of similar standing? Um, some of the works had already been asked for, the loans of, before we started. And we worked from that. We had between 200 and 300 works, actually, and gradually broke it down through various methods. We had a day where people actually went round and put the stickers on various colours. There was sort of like works we can't possibly live without. We'd die if we're not in a show. Uh, down to you know other sort of um, levels of <laughs> levels of favouritism, and then we had to revisit the list of works as well when we felt that there were gaps in the show. For example, representation of women artists. Plus, was there enough diversity? Did we have enough artists from outside the UK, US and so forth? I think I was also interested to ask about what the relevance of this poem is, you think, today. I mean, the poem was written just after the close of the First World War. It comments on mass industrialization, on the fragmentation of life and the coming modernity and how he felt about that. What do you think is the relevance of T.S. Eliot's Wasteland today? Well, I think it has a lot of resonance, actually. I think he was concerned with the sort of moral and social decline, especially after the First World War. But that has so many resonances today. You know, where's life going? What's happening with social media and the internet and how people don't talk to each other anymore? And it, it is about that sort of communication and, and decline. I mean, who writes letters anymore? You don't get that, do you? And you suddenly realise there's a loss in that. They become precious things. I really believe it has a value and a connection to today's world. My own reference to the rationale to the work I chose for the show, which is females and modern life and in the bedsit, the woman using the divan as a night it's the bed and the daytime it's the sofa. At the violet hour, the evening hour that strives homeward, and brings the sailor home from sea. The typist, home at tea time, clears her breakfast, lights her stove, and lays out food in tins. Out of the window perilously spread her drying combinations touched by the sun's last rays. On the divan are piled, at night her bed, stockings, slippers, camisoles, and stays. So I put forward this work, Edward Hopper's Night Windows from 1928, on loan from MoMA. 
I don't remember the moment that I thought of Hopper when I was reading the Wasteland poem, but it referred to the moment that you can see how it describes the woman going about her evening chores. It's sort of in the violet hour, she's eating her meals out of a tin, she's a typist, and she's living in this bedsit room. And it's kind of Eliot's view of the modern woman, if you like, uh, that modern life isn't all it's cracked up to be. There was something a little bit kind of seedy about it. But for us today, we always see Hopper's work as very cinematic because it's like the sort of catching people unawares. It's like that glimpse moment as you walk past the lighted window in the street. But of course, this work is from um, 1928. So it's really before the great, great age of cinema. And Hopper's main concern was that he had to depict the truth of reality. And he did many, many sketches and the perspective of it is quite unusual. And the woman's just caught bending down and just getting ready to bed or something. It's a high perspective, isn't yes, it? There's it's a, very odd so someone probably across the street in a similarly yeah. high building yeah. looking across. Yeah. I knew that it wasn't on display at MoMA, so I took a chance to ask for it. And um, when they asked for the requested the loan, they included my rationale. And um, luckily, they seemed to have swung it for them. And uh, it's the first time they've ever lent any works to the Turner here in Margate. So I'm very, very proud of that. And I was able to talk to the curator for a moment when they, she accompanied the works herself on the plane, door to door. And they were very happy and they, they thought it really fitted the show, absolutely. So Melody, tell us what we're looking at now. This is Benedict Drew and Nicholas Brooks, made in 2016 actually. They actually came to see us and gave us a pitch. It wasn't made entirely in response to the poem, but it, we thought it was a very good fit and I put here I see this as a visualisation of the wasteland in filmic form a kind of transmutation of the poem into a different kind of language it feels confusing and devastating and unknowable like a strange unhabitable otherworldly terrain something fragmented and disjointed beyond the reach of our understanding while this wasn't made with the poem in mind I see the roots that clutch, the stony rubbish the shade under the red rock the slimy belly of a rat and can sense the fear in a handful of dust. And to me, it sums up those things. But you need to see a little bit more of that to, you know, get that, get that feel, really. I suppose there's a kind of beautiful irony in the fact that a poem about fragmentation and disconnect brought so many people together. What's that been like to get to know the community? How has it affected Margate? Probably on the surface, you can see how many people have come down to visit the show here at Turner. We've had a lot of coverage in the national and local media. There's been a lot of people have taken up the themes here. There's a lot of people working locally, artistically, and various people have picked up and run with the whole idea of the wasteland. We've got a show on a, a local hotel, which is sort of, well, half terrified, and that's called uh, In the Violet Hour. Yeah, I think it, reaching out to the wider community has been really important, and I think 
we felt that connecting that sort of correlation with poetry and art and seeing what that does, and a lot of people who haven't read the poem have come in and they've said, oh, I, I will actually go home and read this now. And it's been very heartening, you know, from locals to people down from London and wherever. We've had a lot of visitors. I think we will have done a good job if people go away with an inquiring mind, wanting to know more about art, literature and that connection and trying to reach out. Well, Turner is very concerned with reaching out to the community, involving young people, all sorts of people who think perhaps art isn't for them. And the more people that we can reach out to, the better. And I think this has been a very good catalyst for that. So just um, maybe to end, as T.S. Eliot fans or as fans of this poem, is there a particular section, is there a line that particularly resonates with you from the poem? <laughs> I love the bit that ends in I will show you fear in a handful of dust. Why? (laughs) I just think it's... I'm a bit of a drama queen, so that to me is drama. It says it all, you know. It really uh, sums up the poem for me. I think it's a staggering, staggering line. Don't you? So we've now left the Turner Contemporary and it was very interesting to see such a wide array of paintings. If anything... It somehow sums up really the existential crisis of the 20th century that you can take a piece like The Wasteland and you can see it reflected in so many works of art from so many different artists from different cultures and different backgrounds. Whether it was the aftermath of the First World War, whether it was the crisis of morality besetting young teenage pregnant girls, whether it's victims of armed conflict in our own century... It seems that these messages don't seem to have gone away, that artists are still responding very much to asking the same sorts of questions that T.S. Eliot was asking at the end of the First World War. The poem is so full of an eclectic range of references, from 14th century medieval literature to passages of the Bhagavad Gita. And so the exhibition, you expect a kind of confusing array but instead you get a sort of harmonious walk through the references of the poem and the poem comes to life through art which is a testament to how visual a poem it really is yes and it's touched me actually to think that a group of people who didn't know each other three years ago have actually come together to actually curate an exhibition which isn't about themselves which isn't about their own personal taste but which is about sharing their response to a great work of literature with people who may not generally often engage with either literature or art. So it strikes me that the exercise has done a wonderful job at creating an appetite to read more, to see more art, to think more about the way the world can be represented through language, through visual art. I sat upon the shore, fishing with the arid plain behind me. Shall I at least set my lands in order? London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. These fragments I have shored against my ruins. Beside, beside the sea, beside the sea.